Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Today we're going to be starting a new series called Family Matters. Family Matters. We're going to talk about, well, what does that have to do with Easter? That's kind of unconventional, maybe. But I want to show you how it ties together. I'm looking forward to what God wants to speak to us. So if you would, uh, in your worship guide, you've got some sermon notes. If you'd like to follow along, you can pull those out. Or if you're more of a techie and you've got the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can uh, follow along. Got some sermon notes there. If you go to the More uh, section, I think, and click Events, that's if you're an iPhone user, if you're a, a droid person, we just, we're still praying for you, but that's okay. We're trying to, no, easy, I'm just kidding, just kidding. It's like worse than some political debates. You start talking about stuff like that. I'm not trying to divide the room, I'm trying to unite the room. So uh, anyway, you can follow along on sermon notes. But if you've got your Bibles, hopefully, let's uh, open those up and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Woo! Yeah, just happy about God, that's why we're hollering a little bit, excited about what he's doing. Let's pray. Just invite God to speak to us. Lord, I just thank you that you're the one. You're the one we focus on. You're the one that we celebrate. Jesus, I give you praise. Holy Spirit, be in this place that you teach us all about the love of God. I pray that every person listening today will not hear me, but they will hear you and what you want to speak to them. So Lord, we just give you right of way, give you permission to do whatever's on the heart of heaven today, that Jesus will be exalted and people will be drawn close to you. It's in your awesome name I pray. Amen. Amen. This new series, Family Matters, we're going to be getting into it uh, a little bit in the coming weeks. So I encourage you to come back. We're going to talk about all kinds of things that deal with family. But when I say the word family right out of the gate, we all have different perspectives of what that looks like. It, it means something different to different people. You may be listening to me, to me today married. You may be single, you may be divorced, you may be remarried, you may be uh, parents with children, you may be parents with no children, you may be uh, parents with stepchildren, you may be stepchildren with stepparents, you may be uh, grandparents raising your grandkids, or a number of combinations. We can't cover them all, right? There's so many ways. And this is something that when we talk about family, we want to try and connect to what that means in each of each person's life. Because if you're like me, my family has changed dramatically over my lifetime. What it started out when I was a kid and what it is now, it has changed a lot through marriages, remarriages, pregnancies, you know, divorces. It, it just happens. Family grows and it evolves. And the thing about family, we got to remember that as our family grows, our capacity to love has to grow. You know when you're a little kid, you got your select group of people, and you're like, I love them, that's it. <laughs> Everybody else outside of this group, I can't stand them. Just love these. You know, I'm always confused. You know, I got five kids. For those of you who don't know, I got four girls and, and one boy. And I'm always confused with the whole best friend thing. I don't get it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to understand. I'm on my fourth girl, getting ready to turn into a teenager, and I'm like, by the fourth teenage girl, you'd think I'd grasp, but I'm still, I don't understand how you can have eight best friends. <laughs> I don't do it. I, I don't have, when I, the word, I, maybe I'm too analytical, the word best to me means there's no other. So I'm like, this is my best friend. They're not too bad. You know, they're, they're a good friend. But anyway, I'll get back on track. So that, so, but as we understand what this family means, your family, your love for family has to grow and evolve. Sometimes family is involved bloodlines, and sometimes family does not involve bloodlines. 
Sometimes you can have a family member by definition and not by relationship. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're my, we're family, but that's it. You don't like to talk about it. Like, hey, aren't you related to them? <laughs> Distant cousins. I thought that was your brother. Well, you know. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But you can also have family by, re- by relationship and not by definition. You ever those, have those people that you guys, that you say, we're like family? You're not related to them, but you might as well be. They're like, you, call, you may even call them your brother. You, you, know, you, you just come to a place where we're in such relationship that you start removing the labels and you just start calling them family. People come up to you and say, well, who's this? Hey, they're part of the family. It's because love and relationship defines family more than blood. Love and relationship. So that's what we're going to talk about, see what it looks like here in the Bible. I'm going to give you three keys to family membership today. Three O's, if you will. O, O, O. Three O's. I like to do it just to make it easy for you to remember. The first one is opportunity. To be involved in a, me- a family, to be a member in a family, number one, you've got to have opportunity. Opportunity is outside of you. That's somebody doing something for you that you didn't do for yourself. Opportunity is an invitation. Opportunity is something that's given to you. We'll get into that more in just a moment. Number two, it's optional. Optional. It means it's, uh, you, can't, you can't force your way into a family situation. You can't go up to people and say, hey, I'm going to be a part of your family. You're like, you're weird. Back off. You know? <laughs> like it, it's optional. Someone has to welcome you. Someone has to invite you. It, it has, to be, has to be something that is, uh, is given through love and relationship connection. So it's optional. It's not mandatory. You can't go up to other people and say, hey, you're part of my family. Okay, strange. So third O, third O is you got to make sure and you be open. So If someone gives you an opportunity, it's optional to you. The only way you can be a member is if you open up your heart. You ever had people that you wanted to be a part of your family and they just wouldn't do it? Maybe they were blood relatives and you did everything in the world you could to try and be friends with them. You did, maybe they're not blood, but maybe they're married in the family and you've done everything you could to try and be, and they just would not open up your heart to you. See, if you're going to be in a, in a relationship where you're going to be able to call it family, you've got to be open to other people. This is why we can't stay closed off. Sometimes people are going to come into our family that we didn't necessarily ask for. Am I talking to anybody here? There's going to be people come into your family that you didn't ask for, and you've got to keep opening up your heart to make room for people because God made room for us. All right, you're going to be a little more excited about it when we get to that point later, I trust. It's because some of you think about family members you don't want to be open to. Just let it go. Let's look at the Bible here in Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 14. It says, for this reason, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Here's what Paul said. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, everybody say family. The whole family in heaven and earth is named. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What does it mean when it says the whole family in heaven and earth? When I read that, maybe there's some questions that might come to, you, come to your mind when you, when you hear that. What is family in heaven? Here's some questions. Maybe you think these, maybe you don't, but I'm just throwing out to you. Maybe they're in the overflow room, you're thinking this, or maybe you're watching online, you've thought some of these questions. Here's the first one. Does God have a family in heaven and earth? Does God want me, want me in his family? I mean, I know me, right? You know yourself. Maybe you're saying, does God really want me in his family? 
Am I currently a part of his family? Right now, am I, am I a part of the family of God? I don't know. I think I am. I don't know. I'm not sure. There was that one time. There was that church camp. There was that. Am I really a part of the family of God? Maybe it's a question you're asking. Lastly, what does it take to be a member of the family of God? What does it take to be a member of the family in heaven and earth? So maybe there's some questions we're asking. So let's boil it down to this. What is the point of this holiday, really? What's the big deal why everybody's coming to church? Why in the world is Chad wearing a suit? That's the real question for the day. <laughs> but you know, what's the point? Why, why is everybody making a big deal about Easter? We know it's literally not about eggs and Reese's peanut butter cup eggs, although we're thankful to God for that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just felt the presence of God hit me right there. I'm thinking about what's in my basket when I get home. No, just kidding. So, what's the big deal? What's the point of the holiday? Why, why do more people come to church on this day than any other church and any other day in the entire year? What's the big deal? What's the big deal about Easter? Why is it a holiday? Let me tell you this. The significance of the entire Christian faith is built on the fact let me say fact that something happened. I'm not just talking to church. If you're a non-believer, if you're, if you're not a follower of Christ, that's all right. I'm letting you off the hook. It doesn't matter. I'm, saying, I'm going to tell you some things that aren't Bible. I'm just going to tell you some facts, some things that something actually happened. It is a historical fact that a man named Jesus was born to a woman named Mary in Bethlehem, was raised in Nazareth, and was crucified on a cross. That's a, not a biblical fact. That's a historical fact. This Roman historian, let me give you this. The Roman historian Tacitus, written in A.D. 116. He's not a Christian. This isn't a Christian commentary. This is a Roman historian. He stated that Jesus was executed on the orders of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Roman Judea during the reign of Emperor Tiberius. All of those things can be determined through historical documents. There was a Roman emperor named Tiberius. There was a Pontius Pilate. There was a man, Jesus, that was crucified at that time. Those are facts. It just happened. Something happened. But the fact that Jesus died on the cross is not the kicker. That's not the big deal about today. That's not why we're here today. It's awesome. Nobody's making any dispute about that. But why we're celebrating today is because there was a lot of people that were crucified on crosses. A lot of people that got nailed to those trees. But there's only one that they couldn't find the body for. There's only one that the tomb was empty. He wasn't there. I mean, he was there, but then he wasn't there. I mean, you put yourself in the disciples' shoes. This is what made the difference for the disciples. These are people that walked with Jesus every day for three and a half years. Every day they walked with him. And they, they, they got to know him. They personally interacted with him. And then he, they saw him nailed to the cross. And they're like, whoa, 
we thought Messiah, we thought Son of God, we thought, you know, you're going to restore the kingdom of God. And Man, this is kind of disappointing. Jesus down on the cross, they all run, they're scared. John's the only one that stays there with him. And so all this, they saw him nailed to the cross. They saw him taken off the cross. They saw him dead. They saw him put in the tomb. They saw the stone rolled over the tomb. They saw all of that. And none of that changed their life. What changed their life is when they're in a room and they're afraid of the Jews and all of a sudden the doors are closed, you can't get in, and all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. (laughs) Just shows up in the room. I'm talking just he wasn't there. Boom, he's there. Poof. He shows up and says, peace. I'm like, you better say more than peace. I might wet myself if that happened if I was there. (laughs) Now, sure, it's great to say online, but I've already said it, so just got to let it go. I'm just saying it'd be a little shocking moment, right? And here's what Jesus said. Hey, guys, look at me. Look at my hands. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Put your hand in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but be believing. In that moment, it went from a cool theory and cool story to, di- to disciples that said, I'm willing to lay my life down for this guy. The Bible says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people after he rose from the dead. So please, let's don't leave Jesus on the cross. He came down off the cross. He rose from the dead, and that's what changed everything. It changed everything. It took scared, afraid dudes, turned them into powerhouses. Why? Because they saw the nail-scarred hands with their own eyes. Something happened. The entire church was built on the eyewitness testimony of men and women who saw Jesus after he was crucified. Women that saw him in the tomb and went to the tomb and, and he shows up to them and, they, and he says, hey, Mary. And they go, whoa, Jesus. It changed their life. That's why we make a big deal about this day. That's why we celebrate because if Jesus doesn't raise from the dead, it's all wasted. You don't believe me? Here's what Paul said. He said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. You are still guilty of your sins. Why were the disciples willing to risk their life? Why do you come to church? You come to church because it's a churchy thing to do. You come to church because you think, ah, that's kind of what I'm supposed to do, that whole God thing and whatever. But it will never change your life until you realize that Jesus died and rose from the dead for you. Mm. it'll always be a church thing it'll always be distant it was always distant for me it was always you know something I probably ought to do and and yeah there's something out there but when it becomes personal and when the disciples eyes were open to the fact that this is the real deal this is a living deal this is worth dying for it changed their life forever and your life my life will never be changed until my eyes are open to see that Jesus is alive and he died for my sins It'll never happen. It'll just still be church and it'll still be something cool that you try and do on the side. You'll come once in a while and we'll miss the point that he loves you. And he says to you, look at my hands. Look at my feet. He rose from the dead. So why did he do it? Why did Jesus leave heaven, die on a cross, and raise from the dead? I'll tell you why. Two words. 
family matters. Because family matters to God. Family matters. Let's look at what it means. Let's look at our first O. First one is opportunity. An opportunity must be offered. To be a part of the family of heaven and earth, an opportunity must be offered. This is something outside of yourself. You can't offer yourself an opportunity to the family of God. It has to be offered for you. From the very beginning, God wanted a family. He didn't want church services, religious organizations, merely. What he wanted was relationship. Genesis chapter 1, when he created man in the very beginning, says, let, then God said, this is up in heaven, let us, so the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit talk, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle, all the creeping things, creeps in the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like God. Some of you weren't very excited about telling them they look like God. Some of you are like, uh, I'm not looking at them. I'm not hey, you look like God. That's not sacrilegious. God said you're made in his image and his likeness. You look like God. I'm looking at some God-like people. Well, you're, you say you're not looking deep enough. But this is what he's saying. God said, I want a family. Here's the family in heaven, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Got the angels with him. And he said, you know what? That's not enough. I want a family on the earth. So he said, we're, we're going to create a family. Creates a man, creates a woman, says we want you to get together. And verse 28, you get together. I don't need to explain that. Verse 28, then God blessed them, said to be fruitful and multiply. A lot of thoughts run around the track. I'm just letting them run right now. But God desired a, he desired a relationship. He desired a family. He's got a man and a woman. He said, now I want you to go and I want you to create more. He, puts, he creates man and woman, mini-me's. Puts them on the planet. He says, make more mini-me's. Just go multiply. And he wanted relationship with them. God's desire was never for them to just obey him. He wanted to have relationship with him. He said, I want to hang out with you every day. He said, go out and I just take dominion over the earth. Just go out and just live your life. Go to your job. Go to your workplace. Go to school. Go everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to be with you. I just want to have a relationship. That was his goal. He, had, he wanted a family. From the very beginning, he was the initiator of the family. He started the whole thing. We didn't start it. God started family. Said, I want a family. This is what he, what he threw out. Now, here's the second O. Second O is optional. So God gave us the opportunity. He gave us breath. Gave us life. But it's got to be optional. Why has it got to be optional? Because love and relationship is what family is about. It's not just about I was born into something. It's about love and relationship. And how many knows this? Love requires a choice. For it to be genuine love, for it to be real love, it has to be a choice, a choice to stay connected, whether it's a husband and wife or, or kids or parents or whatever the relationship is, there is a choice to stay connected. Love requires a choice. This is why God said, I want to have a relationship with you, I want to be in family with you, but I'm going to make it optional. In other words, you can choose to be in family with me, you can choose to be in a relationship with me, or you can choose not to be in a relationship with me. Here's the beauty of God and the challenge of God. God doesn't make us do anything. Sometimes we want him to. God, just tell me what to do. 
God, just tell me. Just control my thoughts, God. Just, just control everything, God. Just make everything happen the way it's supposed to happen, God. God wants love and relationship. Imagine how weird it would be. This is why I have such a big problem with theology that God's in ultimate control of every decision. He's handpicking who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. And many of you, if that were the case, that's watching me today, we would have to apologize to you because there's no way you're going to heaven because you simply don't have a choice. It's already been predetermined for you that you're going to go to hell. You have no say-so in it. I'm sorry. That's a very common theology that God's handpicking people and who but love imagine if that was the feeling now that I'm in a relationship now that I now I've been married for 21 years now that I have five children I can't fathom what relationship would be like without love and choice for Dawn and I to stay connected for 21 years it's been a lot of choosing and not a lot of feeling I'm looking for somebody who wants to get real up in here Oh, they're just so awesome. You're so lovely. You're so hot. Oh, man, you're so good. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. That's great. When it happens, it's awesome. I'm all down with that. I got some more thoughts running around the track right now. <laughs> I, was, I was on the phone. Dawn's in Chicago right now. And, and so we were coming back from an all-day volleyball tournament yesterday. And, and uh, I've got three of the kids in the car. And, and so we've got... Um, we're talking over the speaker because we're talking on the phone, you know, when you hands-free driving. And so uh, we're, we're talking there, and, you know, she's talking to all the kids, saying hi and stuff. And pretty soon she says, hey, could you take me off speaker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> so, so I totally start messing with my kids. I'm like, oh, baby, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on now, come on now. You'll be home. So she's not saying a thing like that. I am totally. And the girls are like, oh, God, stop talking. Down. But how many knows that true relationship sometimes just, just requires a dry choice? If you've been married longer than a week, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, <laughs> uh, I love you. Amen. Glory to God. This happens. And this is what God wanted. He said, I want it to be optional. Why? This is why the God of this world, Satan, people are like, well, why did God just leave Satan on the earth? Why is he called the God of this world? Because he wanted there to be another God for you to choose from. Why did he put so many trees in the Garden of Eden? And he said, don't eat of that one. Why? Because he said, I'm a God of choice. Love is a choice. I want you to have all kinds of options. I want you to go do this and go do that, go do this, but I choose you, Jesus. He's like, oh, man, they chose me. Can you imagine what the feeling's like if I had no choice? Here I come to worship you, Jesus. I give you praise just like you programmed me to. Can you imagine God's heart going, yeah, that's great. But it's when I can do whatever I want and I say, Jesus, here I am. I could be clubbing, but here I am. I could be hung over this morning, but here I am early praising you, God. Whatever it is, whatever, I don't know what your life is, but Jesus says, I'm going to make it optional for you. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
It's what Joshua said. So he said, I'm going to make it optional for you. I'm going to make it so optional. I want you to understand the meaning behind it. Here's what he said in John 15, 9. Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. It's not that this, it's not this idea that if I keep his commandments, he will love me. If I do what God tells me to do and I don't do what he doesn't tell me to do, then he will love me. It's when I keep his commandments, I abide in his love because his commandments are love. He loves me, so I want to be where he wants me to be because I want to be in love. I just want to hang out in love. If you want to hang out in love, then do whatever God tells you to do. Well, it's going to hold me back. You know, again, parenting. I just, sometimes I get frustrated and God says, welcome to my world. <laughs> because I'm thinking there's times that I, I, in my heart, I say, this is why you don't need to do that. This is why you need to do that. This is why I care. This is why I ask invading questions. This is why I get in your business because I love you. It's not so I can restrict you and suck the life right out of you. Not to be a joy sponge and just suck all the joy out of your life. No, it's because I love you. Why do we say to our kids, hey, you know, stay away from that highway with those cars driving by. It's not because we don't love it. It's because we do love them. And this is the same way about the commandments of God. The commandments and the guidance that God gives us in Scripture is not to be a joy sponge, but to be a life source so we can abide in the love of God. You know, imagine my kids would say, hey, now let's hey, get away from the street. Oh, Dad, you're just trying to hold me back. Trying to hold me back from the fun and the freedom of playing in traffic. I just want to run wild amongst the cars, Dad. You, you can. You totally can. But there could be consequences. And because I see in the grand picture, you know, as, as Lucas is getting older, and again, boys are a little different than girls, we're finding out. <laughs> Newsflash to the Everett household. So as he's, as he's growing up, you know, he's a little bit different, you know, and, and he processes things a little bit differently and communicates a little bit differently, and every once in a while, Don will say, well, why, 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 why is he doing that? I'm like, that's just, uh, duh. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's just what we do. <laughs> We're morons. <laughs> so anyway, sometimes, you ever seen something from a bigger picture than your kids have seen? That they don't see the why right then. We were having a conversation about something the other day with one of my kids, and I'm like, hey, I just want you to understand the big picture of this decision. That if you make this decision, then it ripples in this way, this way, this way. So I want you to see everything, all of that out of love to try and help them make the best decision possible. This is the way God is with us. This is why he gives us commandments, not because he wants to hold us back, because he sees the big picture. He loves you. He loves you, and he makes it optional. That's the second O. So I'm going to make it optional to you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to walk away from it. I'm going to give you the opportunity to embrace it or not. 
How many's ever had a family member though that's made some bad choices? How many's ever made bad choices yourself? See, because God initiated the family with Adam and Eve, then how many knows they made a bad choice and they chose to eat the fruit that God told them not to eat? And you're like, what's the big deal about the fruit, God? Kind of harsh, kicking them out of the garden over just eating some fruit. It wasn't just that they ate some fruit. It's because they chose to give their love and relationship to another than God. As what happened in that moment, as God predicted, their spirit died. And here's the conundrum. Here's the problem. Here's the Father in heaven and his family created a fa family on the earth, but sin separated them now. And now here's the Father in heaven stuck without an earthly family, an earthly family stuck on earth without a heavenly family, and there's a huge chasm that we can't jump. We can't do it because Adam sinned. Here's what happened. Because Adam sinned that everyone born of Adam was born into sin. It's the problem. This is what they were stuck with. Because look at, look at the Ephesians 3.15, the word here, from whom the whole family, I thought this was powerful, from, the who, from whom the whole family, the word family is a word that means the lineage or family line of a paternal descent. When I first read that, I'm like, no big deal, I kind of skimmed over it. It's like, God said, whoa, 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 pay attention. Paternal descent. You know how you have paternal grandparents and maternal grandparents? Maternal being on your mom's side, paternal being on your dad's side. Well, this word family means on the father's side. The problem with mankind was our father. Adam sinned, and he produced sin after him, every single person. Every person in the bloodline. So here now, God's got a problem. He's got an issue. What are we going to do about this? Who's going to break that pattern? I believe him. I'm just going to role play a little. Some of you think it's sacrilegious. I'm sorry. I just like to process things a little bit differently. Here's the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. You know, up in heaven, you got Jesus here on the right hand. Maybe the Holy Spirit's on the left, or maybe he's just hovering around. I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's just doing his thing. And his thing, her thing. Never mind. Don't get into spirit, gender stuff. Never mind. But we, uh, so here's Jesus, and, and they're all having this conversation. And, and so they're like, okay, what are we going to do? We want our family, but we've lost our family because of sin. They chose another one. And God said, well, I tell you what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to start a new bloodline. I bet Jesus was like, yeah, new bloodline. That's what we got to do, big daddy. Let's start a new bloodline, new people, new people group, need a new father. New, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. What's, what are we going to need to do? Maybe the father said, well, Jesus, here's the thing. I'm going to need your participation in this. He's like, Dad, you know, whatever you want to do, I'm in. I'm down. I'm down with you. We're in unity. <laughs> and he said, well, here's my plan. I want you to become a human. Go down into the earth and become a man, and you're going to redeem them through your life and death. <laughs> Dad, could you run that part by me one more time <laughs> about that? No, I believe Jesus was, I'm in. I'm in. Whatever it will take. Because the love of family brought Jesus to the earth. It brought him to the earth. And this is what he did. Jesus had to make another opportunity for us. This is why, why the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 that when the fullness of time, Jesus came born of a woman. Born of a woman. Doesn't say he was born of a man. He was born of a woman. Why? The man part was removed. 
Because God needed to start a new paternal line. So the old, the man, the human man, you got to come out the way. And I'm bringing Jesus in. And Jesus is going to start a new bloodline. And everyone that's born of Jesus, your new daddy, Jesus, he's going to be the one who's going to create followers, sons, and daughters of me. That's why we can have, be adopted into the family of God. Jesus did what we couldn't do. He couldn't find a man that was worthy. They're like, Abraham, can I use Abraham to redeem? No. No, Abraham's jacked up. He's got issues. <laughs> that whole Ishmael thing, it didn't work out too well. How about, how about King David? King David, surely King David. No, man, King David, he's got problems. Bathsheba, do we even need to talk about Bathsheba? But he won't work. You know, we got Paul. How about Paul? No, he's killed a bunch of people. Through in jail. Probably not a good Messiah. How about Chad? Will Chad be able to do it? No. How about Steve? How about Bob? Brad? There was none found. No one could do it. No one could do it. Revelation says this. John the Revelator had this vision and, and he saw that no one on earth or in heaven or under the earth were able to open the seals. And he started to cry because there was no way to restore the family of God. But then one of the elders touches him on the shoulder and says, hey, hey don't cry. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. Jesus did what we couldn't do. So he gave us another opportunity. Let's look at the last O. The word open. We must open the door. You got an opportunity? It's optional. It's optional to everyone watching, everyone listening, but we got to open our hearts to it. Revelation 3 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on the throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Notice what it says. I stand at the door and knock. That word knock is an active present tense verb. And here's what it means. Behold, I stand at the door and I am knocking. It's not I knocked once. If you don't answer, boo, I'm out. I'm knocking. You ever had anybody knock at your door like that? This is Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door. I'm knocking. Gets annoying after a while. You're like, how long are you going to do it? I'm going to prove a point to you that this is what Jesus thinks about you. I'm never going to stop knocking. I don't care what you do, how many times you turn your back on me. I don't care what you go through. I don't care how mad you get. I don't care how hurt you get. I'm never going to stop knocking. I don't believe God anymore. I don't care. I'm going to keep knocking. I want to do my own thing. I don't care. I'm going to keep knocking. This is Jesus saying to you today, I will never stop knocking. Is the point driving home yet? I don't know what your hurt is. I don't know what your disappointment is. But Jesus is saying, I will never quit knocking. I will never stop knocking. He says, all we have to do is we have to open the door. All you got to do is open the door. God gave you an opportunity you couldn't make happen on your own. We were stuck without a relationship. We were stuck without a family in heaven. We were stuck. But Jesus came. Can I? We have to stop this ideology 
that relationship with God has anything to do with our goodness. You will ride a roller coaster of whether God accepts you or not based on the fact if you think it's about you. Now my relationship, see the Bible says this in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. For that love is found in Christ Jesus. The love of God for you is unconditional. But the love of God abiding in you is relational. It's optional. The love of God for me, I can never do anything to stop it. But the love of God working in me is optional by my relationship with Him. And God says, I'm knocking. Will you open the door? Will you open the door? For some of you, you're a Christian, but there's an area of your life. There's a door that you've shut that you don't talk about. There's that area of your life, something happened, something went down, something hurt you, and you've, put, you've shut that door and you said, we don't go there. It's closed off. It might as well have caution tape on it. Do not enter. No trespassing. God's knocking on that door today for you. Why? Because here's the beauty of God. Wherever he goes, he brings love. And he's the best interior decorator in the world. Now granted, that's not my forte. But God... When he looks at our life and he says, Chad, if you will let me in that room. Here's what he's looking. I get to see. Man, you got that room, you know, that hurt room? You know they got the, they had that movie called The Panic Room? Some people have the pain room. A divorce room. A children room. A church room where you've been hurt by church. It was everything you could do to walk into this building today because you've been hurt by church. I'm not offering you a perfect church. I'm offering you a person, perfect Savior. His name is Jesus. But he's saying to you, let me in that room. Because I can imagine he's like this. I could give myself some room. I imagine he's outside of the room. You know, I imagine he's outside. The room. Just let me in there. <laughs> Come, on. Come on, let me in. Let me in. Come on, let me in. Why? Because when he walks in, boom, he brings love. And he says, oh, let me fix that, let me fix that, let me fix that. Oh, let's work through that. I can walk you through that. I can change that. Let's take out some of this old junk and get that out of the room. Let me bring in some new pictures. Let me bring in some new furniture. Behold, I make all things new. He wants to get in your room, but we got to open the door. Because he's not kicking any doors down. He's knocking. saying, I love you, unconditionally. You can play your wild season if you want in your life. Here I am. I remember, let's say this in first verse. I remember coming home one night. I threw up so many times I couldn't even keep track. And I'm sitting there, kneeling there, this is too graphic for you, I apologize. Preachers probably don't normally talk about this. But I'm huddled over the porcelain. And I heard 
said, how long, Chad? That night, I said, ah. But I heard him. He was knocking. I could give you times and times where I heard him knocking. But there came a time in December of 1995 when I'm getting ready to go out to the club. I'm getting ready to go out to, sorry about the name of the establishment, to this place. We first would go to the casual bar and then we'd work our way towards the strip joint by the end of the evening. And that night, as I'm ironing my shirt, I hear a knock. And I heard God say to me, Chad, it's either me or them. Which will it be? It was a choice. It was an option. It was an option. And I, in that moment, and I've told this story many times, but it just came fresh to me in this moment. In that moment as I'm ironing my shirt, and the, and then the knock came while I'm listening to Mariah Carey Christmas CD. God always speaks through Mariah Carey. <laughs> But for real, that moment I put the iron down. And I said, Jesus, whatever you want to do, I'm yours. I'm sorry it's taken me so long, but today I opened the door. Now, my mess didn't get fixed overnight. I didn't become a preacher overnight. I still had a journey, but that day I started opening up rooms. I said, you can have this one. You can't have that one yet. We'll get back to that. But he kept knocking. I don't know why I'm lingering on this point, but I'm speaking to somebody that God is telling you, I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep knocking. I don't care how, how far you get. I don't care how wild you think you are. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I love you. I love you. The message of God is a message of love. It's not condemnation of how bad we are. It's about how good Jesus is. He is so good. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.